The following is a presentation of Real Racing USA. And we're back. It's Inside Florida Racing. And Rob, who do you have on the line there with you? Got Mr. Larry Millen from uh, Citrus County Speedway, a legend. Uh, been announcing and uh, writing stories for many years. Lots of years. Lots of years. <laughs> More than I can count. Yeah, he's seen Bonehead come and go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably one of them. So uh, what's happening? Well, of course, we're keeping our things going here at Citrus County Speedway and uh, enjoying it. And, of course, we had a big uh, race last week that kind of fell apart a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, we've got quite a car count that's been coming in very steadily, and we're quite happy with that. I've been hey, around. Larry, hey, Larry, we've gotten over the uh, 55-lap, 100-lapper. Okay, we had Mike on earlier. Green has. Yeah, we had we had Mike uh, Mike Lawhorn, the winner, on earlier in the show, Larry, and uh, uh, even though it was short, he's happier than he can be. Yeah, he's happy. He didn't care. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Larry. Go ahead, Larry. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, not at all. Any questions that you might have for me, throw them at me. Well, well, Bill Green was just still upset. That's what I was telling you. He hadn't got over it yet. So well, I'm sorry to hear that. What what he was here he's just pulling your leg, Larry. What what did you think of the race? Give us your your uh, view of the whole deal. Well, I thought the race went pretty well, except we had so darn many cautions there in the first fifty laps. And then when we got to the point of uh the fifty lap break, getting back on it, we had a caution flag just about every lap from there on to fifty five. And uh Time consumption was the big situation. We have an 11 o'clock curfew at Citrus County Speedway, which they enforce very, very strictly. And uh, we even had to leave one of our uh, rookie divisions completely out of the show last week because of the extensive time period that we took. These guys are professionals, in my opinion. We had probably the best mini-stock drivers in the state come in to put on a good show, and unfortunately it was uh, trying to win it in the first five or ten laps, and they had plenty of time to get up through that traffic. Some of the heavy hitters who started in the middle of the field, like Robbie, he started uh, 18th. He was a fast qualifier. Right beside him was Clint Foley. Clint Foley got the hard charger award out of it because he got sent back to the rear and came all the way back through that traffic and still wound up fourth. All right, that's that answered a question. That answered a question. We've been trying to find out uh, today who who exactly was the hard charger, and that's uh, that's good. Larry, let me ask you: um, When did you start announcing, and and where? How long? I mean, like, where did you start, and 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 how long have you been announcing? And and what? Tell us a little bit about your career. Well, I started running my mouth in 1935 on Thanksgiving Day when. My mother had a bowl of soup for lunch and a turkey for dinner. I happened to be the turkey. And uh, I came up uh, in uh, Pinellas County, and I was in the service at the time, went into a little bit of part-time radio work, and the Lions Club Speedway, Largo Lions Club, put together some micro-midgets on dirt tracks down there, and... Harry and Steve Campbell and their dad, Louie, all raced with us down there. And the guy who did the uh, comic strip, 
from uh, Leesburg. He raced with us, and uh, that's where it really got started. It was a little old eight-mile dirt track down there in Largo. And in 1960, I went to work with uh, Sunshine Speedway. And on and off through my military career, I was stationed at McDill. I worked at Sitka, at Sunshine Speedway and went on from there. And I worked there until 1986. And, of course, I was with Dan Jones and Leo Musgrave when the, they were putting it all together, Jack Donahay, way back in the beginning. And I was doing the Junkers on Friday nights and... Uh, I don't know, for those of you who were in Pinellas County and from Sunshine Speedway, go way back and remember uh, Captain Mack on Channel 38 in St. Petersburg, and uh, he was doing the Saturday night races. And then later on, I followed Gordon Stoley into the Friday night races, and he went on over to East Bay when it opened, and of course into the wrestling situation. That's where it all really got started, and since then... I've probably announced at 13 different racetracks here in Florida, so it's been about 52 years on and off. Wow. So uh, what are, I mean, my goodness, you must have the stories that you can tell, the things you've seen. Well, I've seen a lot. I was the first announcer they had at DeSoto Speedway, and when they opened up... uh, Stan and Gene put it all together, and uh, we were racing on Friday nights and Sunday afternoons there, and I was doing sunshine on Saturday. So that was a very busy period of time for me. And when we uh, really got to doing a lot of figure eight racing at Sunshine Speedway, my uh, probably most prominent situation there was when I hung out that three-cup bra that I'm still trying to find the owner of when we were waving at the figure-eight cars when they got started. <laughs> it was made by Omar, the tent, tent maker, and I still wanted to see who fit this three-cup bra. Jack it was Noser. more or less a lost-and-pound thing. Jack Noser. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, boy, Jack. Well, it has changed, you know. Now. It, it, it has changed. Uh, how, what is your perception of... Uh, um, I mean, this sport, I, I, I imagine I've only been involved in it about 15 years, and, and I've seen some cycles already. I, I suppose it goes in, in, in cycles, and, and things are always changing, but h- how do you see it now? We're, we're put, put this into perspective where we are today with the short track racing. Well, I think the economy certainly has had a great deal to do with it, and uh it's like anything else in racing. Money seems to buy speed, and uh, we kind of price ourselves out of the market. Now, every new division that I've seen over these 52 years has kind of put themselves out of business because they're trying to make it faster, and it's costing more to do that. And when you get into the tire situation and you come up with twenty-five dollars and $30,000 motors, how in the world can you keep up with that? And you can't make a living at it unless you have a great deal of sponsorship. And the uh, sponsors are kind of backing off now because they're not getting the business they need to keep up with this sort of thing. And it's a shame to see it happening. And we, over the even the past 15 years, have seen so many racetracks 
just fold because the property is more valuable as a shopping center or a flea market or condominiums, and uh, we have just outgrown ourselves, I guess. Yeah. So uh, you you mentioned the tires there. We were just uh, talking about that. That uh, we talked to Mike Bresnahan on Saturday, and he's going to be on with us next week to go into more detail about the program at Citrus. But he was talking about with, of course, the the, the tracks decision to go to treaded tires on the late models. Do you think that'll help? Well, uh, I think expense-wise it might. I don't know whether it's going to give them any more longevity as far as using up tires and probably will drop the speed somewhat. Uh, I don't know. I'm not that uh, technically aware of how the tire affects them. Now, you take a look at uh, what they've done with the four-cylinder bombers. Uh, We've got a couple of racers there who are racing very well in VW Rabbits, which are front-wheel drive cars, and they say they can't win. We had one win last Saturday, and uh, that just proves that idea. But he, of course, got a good starting position. He started on the outside of the second row, and Mike Ogren went uh, on to win the race with a front-wheel drive car. The rest of them were going to rear-wheel drive cars. Yeah, the, the treaded tire, uh, you know, the, the Modifieds, when they first started racing, they were on a treaded tire. They weren't on a, a slick. They ran on a treaded tire for years. Uh, a Comanche, I remember they ran on a Comanche at Sunshine, the same tire that the street stocks used. And uh, the cars were fast. They didn't have any problems. And uh, they were affordable. That's the biggest thing is, yeah, the tires are still going to wear out, but the affordability, if you're going to keep a class running, you know, week after week, and like um, you guys have at Citrus, you've got uh, late models that run every other week because you guys run a 35-lap show, which I think is great. It's great for the fans. It's great for the racers because it gives them, you know, affordability in racing. So if you bring the tread of tire in there, it's only going to be that more affordable, mm-hmm. I think. That's yeah, I agree with that. And, uh I don't know if either of you guys really knew Dan Jones real well. I was just getting ready to ask you about who the best promoter that you have seen in your days was, and you bring up that name. Undoubtedly, it was Dan Jones. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to promote a show, and I helped him a great deal when he was up here at the Citrus County Speedway, and I also worked with him down at Sunshine Speedway. Now, Dan had a reputation for a little tipping during the races, but the guy knew what he was doing, and he was the promoter of the year at one of the promoter's workshops. Well, what's I did, wrong with tipping? There's nothing wrong with tipping. Uh, right. <laughs> Not while you're on the job. <laughs> but he had an open-door policy, uh-huh. and he would side with his personnel in regards to letting them converse about a call that was made that uh, maybe nobody disagreed agreed with and that really put him in a bind but he had the open door policy but he said 15 minutes after the races are over everybody can cool off then it doesn't get to be such a heated discussion thereby you can probably come up with a solution for the problem yeah if you know what i mean yeah well, you know i i believe um you know don Narone has talked to, to me at length about uh, dan jones and uh as has several other of the people that have been around this sport a long time in Florida. Well, Don Narone and Robert Hart uh, both were quite friendly with Dan, and in uh, his day, 
he tried to get us all organized to where we weren't butting heads against each other and racing against each other, drawing cars from a show that these guys had set up so we wouldn't step on each other's toes. And that worked out pretty well until somebody got greedy, you know. Who was that? I'm not going to make any mention any names. Leave it to Rob. Try to put you on the spot. I always try to get them to admit it if they were the ones. We got Robert Hart to admit that he was the one that changed the late model series around. Well, that may be true. Uh, I haven't uh, talked to Robert since Dan Jones' funeral, so I really don't know. But uh, those guys have put together quite a few racing complexes and uh, have been very successful at it, so you can't knock that. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, we talked to Robert this afternoon, and uh, uh, what do you think of this? Uh, at the, the scene of this year's Governor's Cup uh, in November uh, over at New Smyrna Larry, they're going to have uh, a, 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 a driver's uh, late model uh, reunion. And uh, it's kind of like an old-timers thing, I suppose you could call it, but it's, uh, it's being billed the uh, uh, first annual uh, late model driver's reunion here in Florida. And uh, you think we can get some old old-timers out for that? Well, you're going to have to get them out of mothballs and probably try to find some cars that uh, they're used to driving. I think the cars have changed a great deal since uh, they were driving, like Jim Fenton and uh, Billy Gill and all those guys that go back to uh, my early days in the racing game. And uh, you might have a good time with that one. Well, they're not going to drive. They're just going to come hang out and have barbecue. And uh... Oh, come on. Let them drive. <laughs> These cars are doing extremely well. We had them in on a show here recently and uh, really got a kick out of seeing some of those guys. Who was that now? The antique oh, yeah. Yeah. racers. Yeah. Pretty interesting. They put on three yeah. different divisions. Yeah. And it brought back a lot of memories. Going back to the 60s. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, in that first year that Sunshine was open, and uh, it was uh, they were driving the coupes and that sort of thing. And Jimmy Cope and Mike Cope's dad and mother were both driving in that era. So over the, the span of time that you've watched and observed racing, most of it from a, a scoring tower and announcing, who are some of the, like, let's, let's say this. We have, uh, say, you know, Dick Anderson's kind of, I guess you'd say he's retired now, and Jimmy Cope doesn't race very often, but those are some of the guys that, you know, have recently kind of, you know, reached the end of their racing career. How do they fit in with some of the guys from, say, 20 or 30 years ago? Well, uh, watching Jimmy and Mike grow up, and uh, see their uh, career come uh, to grips with, uh, well, Mike going on to uh, the truck races and also getting into ASA. It, it uh, really makes you feel good about seeing these young people, and we've got them starting right now. You take Curtis Newman. This kid is going to be some kind of racer, and he's going to be an engineer on top of it. He just got another $1,000 scholarship to USF for his engineering career from the uh, Q Auto uh, Insurance Group. Sure. And this is his third one. And uh, we've got a lot of good young people coming up. It's just a matter of making racing affordable for them to keep up with it. And uh, if this economy doesn't turn around, it's going to hurt us all. Yeah. You just have to have faith, that's all. 
pray and Amen. have faith, and everything will be fine. Well, I know that uh, this year the economy is certainly it's it's affected uh, citrus a little bit. I mean, we keep track of the car counts, and of course, see your your great reports every week, and and the reports from around the state, and um, you know the car counts are down a little bit at citrus, but you guys are still have the best car count in Florida, and you have over the last five or six years. What do you attribute that to? I think uh, possibly Critter has a great deal to do with it, and uh, we have been pretty fair in tech also. Uh, I think the word is out that you don't mess around with the tech man because he'll find whatever you're hiding. He's been there, done that, and uh, probably can't get too much by it, but we're fair with him. And uh, when these people say we're playing favorites in some cases, that is not true. I just don't agree with that. I've seen it over the years where there was uh, people who were given special equity for whatever they were doing, but uh, this is not the case here at Citrus County Speedway, and uh, we always welcome them with a smile. We've got the young ladies working the booths back there that... uh, you can really get along with, and the fans enjoy it, too. And uh, they'll let you know when they're not enjoying it, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's cool, <laughs> they man. They always look up at me when somebody makes a bad decision, and I had nothing to do with it. I'm just <laughs> telling them what they told me to tell them. You're just the messenger. <laughs> just the messenger. It puts you right behind the driver's seat, and I guess Bill Green knows that. Yeah, he does. He he was just in there and done that too. Yeah, he was still he was still hopping up and down today about it. he still hadn't yelled enough about the the shorting the, the shortening of the race. But you as you know as well as I do, he'll get over it in, in short order. And, well, uh, we had a little mic problem uh, there when they were trying to videotape, uh, and I found out what the problem was. Your remote uh, apparatus was on the same frequency as our mic. And that's why the camera was getting it, and the system was not. Well, there you go. That explains that. Uh, I tried the mic out after everybody tore it down, and uh, it yeah. worked. Well, I'll tell you, we're going to have, uh, I have the uh, raw video footage. Uh, the, the videos themselves will be produced. There will be a later available, uh, I think, on Wednesday uh, from Florida Video. And uh, But the, I, I got a, a, a DVD today of the raw footage, and we're going to put some clips up tonight. They'll be up uh around midnight, and it'll be available for people tomorrow to see uh, some clips from the races and a few interviews that we did. And uh, it was certainly a fun time, Larry. It was one of the best times um, that I've had at Citrus. I always have a good time there, but it was a special night uh, uh, for all of us who who came up to cover it. And uh, we really appreciate you spending some time with us and uh, look forward to talking to you again, man. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. And... uh... I've enjoyed every year of it. Everybody asks me when I'm going to retire, and I tell them, well, they'll probably take me out of here in a pine box. Okay. All right. There you go. So we'll stick with it and try to do the 52nd year as well as we can and work on 53. I've been here at Citrus for 22 now, so. Yeah. And I was down at Sunshine for 27. And I worked over at New Smyrna for the... Uh, World Series of Asphalt Racing on five different years and did one little stint at uh, Daytona International Speedway for the final uh, Firecracker and uh, Paul Revere race. Mike Joy and I did that one, just the PA system. And that was supposed to be an audition for me to go to uh, the radio, but uh, that didn't happen because Mike went to television from there and Mr. Gold took over and he and I didn't see eye to eye. 
Now they got a Larry Mack, and it's not you. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> no, he's more mechanically inclined than I am. Yeah, there you go. All right, Larry, you take it easy, all right? Talk to you soon, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. You guys take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye. What a treat. What a a treat, Rob. Yeah, you know, uh, Larry's great. I would love to have him on again and talk about some of the early days of racing. As he just said, there's something I didn't realize is that he was there on the very first night of racing at Sunshine Speedway. Uh, Yes. I bet he got to see a lot in those days. Like you said, you know, seeing the... guy like Demi and Mike Cope coming up over the years and got to see him when they weren't even racers. Yeah, you know, and and yeah. and, and, and of the interviews, I mean, all these guys, there's a lot of these these announcers uh, who've been around a while who, who who can really speak well, and Marty Little is one of them, and, you know, that have been around a long time. Uh, nobody's better than Larry. When you do the thing.